Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Charles Tirrett, who it's safe to say are big cricket fans. They've got Josh Butler as their ambassador and they also kit out Middlesex and Durham as their official menswear partners. We've got a special code for our listeners throughout the month of June. You get 20% off at Charles Tirrett using the code WISDOMPOD online or quoting in store. We've got loads to get through on this show. We'll talk a little bit about the England-New Zealand series. We've got an interview with Matt Parkinson where we hear all about his manic test debut. We'll talk about the ODI World Cup Super League and Matali Raj's retirement. We've got a chat with Charlie Dean ahead of the Charlotte Edwards Cup final and there's much more as well. To get through that with me today is the managing editor of Wisdom.com, Ben Gardner, and freelance cricket wordsmith, Jim Wallace. Jim, good to have you back with us. On the Trent Bridge test, England have announced their side for the second test. It is unchanged with Jack Leach having made a recovery from his concussion he suffered on the opening day at Lords, meaning that Matt Parkinson, his concussion replacement, misses out. I spoke to Parkinson a couple of days ago about his crazy debut where he became England's first ever concussion substitute. Here is that chat. Matt Parkinson, England test cricketer. How does that sound? communication did you have with anyone from England before Thursday? So you were told that you were a concussion reserve? Yeah, I was told I was a concussion reserve, but that was about three weeks ago. So when you're a concussion reserve, the chances are it's not going to happen, is it? Like it's very, very random, very rare that that, that would happen. Um, and then I got a phone call from Keezy, must be three and a half weeks ago now, maybe four weeks ago, say, not made the squad, um, you're a concussion replacement for, for Jack and um, that wasn't in the Holland squad as well. Um, so yeah, to get that phone call. 
good start to the season. I, I was, I'm, I'm loving my cooking for, for them uh, this year. So when I saw Jack go down as badly as he did, I sort of had a half thought that I might get a call. But again, I wasn't sure whether they'd made a couple of other boys' concussion subs, you know, Bessie. Oh, I don't know what, what conversations they've had with him and stuff, so I wasn't fully sure that I wasn't going to get a call, but then I got a phone call at about 12 o'clock saying, can you, uh, can you come to Lord's? So, yeah, very, very um, fast sort of change up. Yeah, it was cr- crazy quick. I mean, you what, you had a T20 game against Derbyshire on, what, Wednesday? And then... Wednesday night, yeah, Wednesday afternoon, and then we had Thursday off, and then we played on Friday against Normans. I read that you... You got you were having like people over at yours for a barbecue when you found out. Yeah, that got a bit exaggerated, but I was planning to have a barbecue on the Sunday. Um, I was actually going to the, the, the Lake District on Thursday. The car was packed, ready to go. Um, I think I made a comment. My was, I was I was meant to be having a lads round for a barbecue, and then it's all sort of the story just grew from there, really. But yeah, I had a. Had, a nice weekend planned. Obviously, three days that I had there was fantastic. Um, as I said, it probably hasn't properly sunk in because four days ago I had this conversation, I had a laugh. So yeah. to now be a test cricketer and to have a test wicket to my name is brilliant. So how did you find out? So did you get a phone call saying get down to London ASAP? Yeah, so I was watching the game. Um, Carl was getting packed to go away for the night and. Uh, got a phone call from the team manager saying, can you come down to London? At that stage, I thought it would just be his cover. I didn't know how badly Jack, Jack was hurt and he's been withdrawn. So yeah, I'm not sure many lads have rocked up for a test of viewing Jogger Shorts before, um, which is funny. Uh, and then managed to get some kit and within a couple of hours I had my side pod on ready to <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what, what was the drive down like? Because I was on loads of like cricket tragic WhatsApp groups and people knew that you were making the drive down before you'd reached Lords. Like the news was already confirmed that Matt Parkinson is gonna be Jack Leach's concussion substitute. So like did you stop off at a service station where there are people coming up to you being like good luck? No, not really. I don't know how one of the journals found out where I had exactly stopped as well. I don't know who <laughs> who leaked that to him. It's very random. Um I stopped at Keel Services got some food and a coffee because um, I sort of knew they were like when I, when I left home they were like six down already seven down so I was like probably not going to have to bowl in or field by the time I get there um, so I probably only got there at about five to the hotel and then I went straight from the hotel to, to the ground and yeah as I said within, within an hour I had my five but this might be a stupid question but did you have all your kit? Um, no I had to go to Old Trafford and pick up my kit um, I had to get my white pads out because um, obviously we haven't played uh, red ball now for two and a half weeks, three weeks, so um, I've just been carrying around a bat and gloves. I don't even bother taking a helmet and pads to T20 sometimes. So um, yeah, I had to go to Old Trafford get my kit, and then I contemplated having a little bowl with Wanks's spin cup 
making the land speed records and getting every speed to hit. <laughs> so um, I just tried to drive steady away and not rush. And uh, luckily there was no traffic. So yeah, I got to the hotel at about 10 to 5, went to my room and then literally went in my shorts and t-shirt to the ground and, and I was in the changing room. What, what were you thinking on the drive down? Because that, that is quite a long drive to just be contemplating shit on playing test cricket in possibly an hour and a half. Yeah, pretty much that, as you say. Um, bit, bit of nerves, bit of excitement. Um, try not overthink it. Like, I was thinking I've not bowled with a red ball two and a half weeks, shit. Like, uh, forgotten how to do it type of thing. But, um, no, I just tried to chill out and, and relax and, and there's nothing you can do in a car, so there's no point worrying too much about what's going on. I actually thought at one stage I was going to go there and just bat twice and not bowl. So when I saw they were 100 for nine and then we got bowled out for 140, I was sort of resigning myself to the fact that I wouldn't get a bowl. Um, but no, yeah, as you say, it's a, it was a tough drive down. Like, as you say, it's a long drive and your, your emotions and thoughts can sort of run wild. But I like to think that I turned up in a decent headspace. And uh, what was it like linking up with the dressing room? Had you met Brendan McCullum before? I'd never met Baz before. Um, obviously, all the other boys I'd, I'd been on loads of tours with and stuff, so it was pretty easy. Uh, I've spent, it's been pretty well documented. I've spent a lot of time in that in that changing room, so they're a fantastic set. They were really, really happy for me that I finally, finally got a game. And, um, yeah, luckily, um, luckily we started with a, a win as well. Mm. What, what was it like when you when you got there? Because if you're arriving around about half five, that was that was basically when the wicket started falling on the first day. So what was what was the mood like in the dressing room at the, like the moment you arrived? That was good, very, very very positive. I don't think there's probably any other word you can describe the dressing room than positive with Baz and Stokes in, um, in charge. Just everyone was relaxed and made me feel very welcome. Um, yes, for, for what was happening in the first day, it was very relaxed. I mean, if that was probably county cricket, we'd have been panicking and lads have been throwing pads around and shitting themselves. But um, no, it was very relaxed, and I think that sort of filtered through into into the bowling as well, um, and my bowling as well. That I knew that I had the backing of the changing room. I knew that lads were generally happy that I was playing, and even Leach, he's one of my best mates. He was. He was buzzing for me. Um, not obviously a, a great way to make your test debut be the concussion replacement for one of your closest mates who takes a knock on the head. But um, he, he was brilliant with, with me like, the whole week, and um, as, as, were all, as were all the boys. Mm, that's awesome. Um, but before we get to your bowling, I've got to ask you talk me through the on drive. Yeah, that's the other reason I accepted this call. <laughs> Start 
with the bat with Jimmy and um, yeah, and I was pretty pleased that I managed to get a decent decent bowl on day two. Obviously, would, would, would have liked us to bat till halfway through day four and then have a bowl, but um, no, as, as weeks go, I think it went it went, um, went as well as, as, as well as it could. Had you bowled much in first class cricket at Lords before? Uh, once, once properly in the Bob Willis Trophy um, final last year, I bowled about thirty-five overs um, from the nursery end, which is the end I enjoyed more in the game as well. Never really bowled much from the pavilion end. Um, and you started from the pavilion end, right? Yeah, I bowled about eight, ten overs from the pavilion. End. Um, so yeah, it was a new experience and I've never really played at Lords that early in the season as well. Like my only real ball at Lords was, I did one on my debut season where my ball was 20 odd overs, but I'm not really counting that until I was 19. Hmm. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember remember how I bowled, but um, yeah, the Bob Willis Trophy, I, we bowled on day one and two and three, we just fielded all day, um, the whole game. But um that was nice. I thought it came out okay. Um, obviously, would have would like to bowl all better, but um, the preparation and the build-up and everything that went with it, if you'd have offered me one at 47, off 15 and a half, I'd have probably taken it. Yeah, I mean, what, what was it like bowling in a Lords Test match? As you, as you say, it's not in early June. Lords Lords isn't exactly a, a spinner's paradise, and you managed to keep the runs under control and create a few chances as well. From a New Zealand point of view, Colin de Grondholm has been ruled out of the series through injury. He could be replaced by Henry Nichols, who might be fit. Uh, the spin bowling all-rounder Michael Bracewell, who's yet to play Test cricket, could come in. He or a quick could also come in for Ajaz Patel, who only bowled two overs at Lords. Jim, what's your moment of the week? That's loosely related to New Zealand. Well, yeah, it is loosely. Um, so I initially said it was going to be Joe Root's ton, but you said, you know, everyone sees Joe Root get tons, and I guess they do these days. So my moment of the week is after the game, I spent a bit of time in the bar across the road from Lords with Jeremy Coney, who um, those in the know will know is, you know, one of the preeminent cricket broadcasters and captain of New Zealand back in the 80s when they were a fairly ragtag bunch and uh, qualifies as pod favourite I think pod favourite I think so I think we've mentioned him a few times before it's been a while since I last can you you (laughs) mention Um, and I have to say I've not been doing this gig very long but he was probably my favourite ever interview um, just because he was so erudite and had lots of funny side stories and anecdotes and just a, a real cricket brain, you know. He was. We talked about the Test match because that had finished a few hours earlier, and he had some quite strong opinions on Test cricket, uh, batsmanship. What, what did he say? Uh, he said, uh, interestingly, he didn't enjoy the Test. Really? Really? It was. I, I thought it was really entertaining. Well, 
I sort of felt very sad after day one. I thought, you know, that it was all going to be over in two days and, you know, it was a Lord's test, the first test of the summer and this sort of showpiece event that um, I think his point was that they kept on handing the advantage back to each other, which does make for a sort of thrilling test match, but felt a little bit like luck um, and, you know, the, the sort of standard. The, the bowling obviously was fantastic, yeah. but if you take out that partnership um, by Blundell and, and Mitchell on, on the second day and then... Route obviously, then it could have just all been done in. It could have been a one-day test match. Maybe we're not too far from that. But um, yeah, we spoke uh, about all sorts of things about uh, the amateur nature of New Zealand uh, back back when they came over to um, England in 1986 and they won for the first time. Uh, Richard Hadley getting 19 wickets and they had to fly economy class. Didn't have any shirt sponsors and they were coming up against you know relative superstars yeah. in Gower and Gatting and. Both of them came back for the oval test. He really is one of the one of the great commentators, isn't he? Yeah. Um, you gotta be careful though, saying that he's your favourite person you've interviewed because actually Chris Gale listens to this show. Oh, does he? You've obviously. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, he was he was not my favourite interview, but an interesting interview, I suppose. Um, but yeah, maybe it was because I did Coney straight after old Chris. Quite that, a contrast, yeah. Yeah, there was a bit of a contrast, but he was very. Um, you could see that. Because obviously he's a nice guy and he's got a fairly sing-song voice and that's all part of his charm. But you could see as a captain you would play for him. I was thinking that almost immediately. I was thinking this guy would get the best out of me. Maybe that he just sort of spoke to my personality. But he was saying you, you play hard, really hard. He doesn't really like this thing about New Zealanders being nice or nicey-nicey all the time. But he was like saying, you know, you play hard and then and then you deserve your fun off the pitch. So they had a lot of fun off the pitch as well. But, you know, mightily successful beat Australia home and away, drew with the West Indies. Um, so, yeah, it was a... And that interview's in the next Wisden Cricket Monthly. Yeah, I've not given too much away about it, but it's in the next issue You've of the mag. You've given away less than Phil normally does when oh, he talks okay, about his interviews. Good. Yeah, yeah. Did, did he have any thoughts on how good this New Zealand side is compared to that one? Was he? Does he think this is just the best ever and there's no contest? Because that, that side was a brilliant team. And, you know, yeah. obviously you had West Indies being so dominant, but you had a very strong undercurrent of teams then and New mm. Zealand were mm. one of those. I mean, this New Zealand team hasn't won in Australia, for mm. example. Did he, did he talk about that or is that not? He did. He, he, he spoke about how I think there's a real pride that he has in that side that he captained in that they he really forged them from not very much and they had, a, they had some real talent that went on to become, you know, your, your Crows, your Martin and your Jeff Crow, um, people like you and Chatfield, the sort of unsung heroes. There was that famous comment by... I think it was Gooch who said playing against New Zealand is like playing against the World Eleven from one end, which is Richard Hadley, and the Ilford Second Eleven from the other, which is the rest of their bowling attack. And then after they beat them, I think it, I think Coney said it was Hadley got Ilford Second Eleven shirts made up, and they all had photos in their sec, Ilford Second Eleven shirts after the game. So he was very proud of. He told me some great stories about how you know they weren't cosseted cricketers from England getting trained by ex-pros in the indoor nets at Lords or the Oval, you know, you and Chatfield learnt to bowl with an apple in an orchard. Uh, these are guys who run 20 kilometres to school. Like, pr- pr- really stuff that, we, you know, is, is obviously really funny and chucklesome now to think think about it. But, you know, John Bracewell was a grave digger. Again, I'm giving more away from the actual interview now, but um, definitely still by the mag. But, uh, you know, they came from... a, a pretty much a different world from what we know and and they yeah they pulled off some big scalps well from Ilford second 11 to the t20 blast we're over halfway through the group stage Surrey and Lancashire are both still unbeaten Ben your moment of the week is from the blast yeah uh, West, it's from the 
the Roses derby last night and uh, as I was watching it, I was thinking like, maybe this is the solution to all of cricket's ills. You just, you get, first get rid of the 100, uh, you get rid of uh, the rest of T20 Blast, get rid of Test Cricket, <laughs> just have all cricket be Yorkshire v Lancashire, alternating between uh, Headingley and Old Trafford because it is inevitably the best game in the cricketing calendar, right? Like it's it's a rivalry which both teams really care about, always very high quality, always uh, incredible finishes. I mean, the first game of the season, you had that tie where Harry Brook batted like a dream and then missed a straight one, last ball the innings. This game, it was kind of, the, the ending was both sides uh, like, like everyone basically in the ground, like just trying not to bottle it and basically failing. Like, uh, like D- Danny Lamb, he's you know, he's a, a, a very creditable seamer, but was uh, was clearly struggling a bit under the pressure of the last over. Was sort of bowling a big wise, pulling out of his run up, that sort of thing. Uh, Dominic Drake's there. I think as he was doing that to ramp up the. You know how they sort of do it to 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 put the pressure back on the batsman by it, almost pulling out and and getting in their head a bit, or was it, he just? If really he did, nervous. It was an incredible act of yeah. hoodwinkery, I think, because uh, <laughs> he, he was just really nervous. He, he was probably hoodwinking himself as well. He, I think. Even, even at the very, very end, it wasn't clear who the winner is. Well, so in terms of who was bottling it, yeah, Dominic Drake's. He was four off seven going into that last ball when they needed four to tie, six to win, and he then you know slices out to the fielder on the rope. The cameraman also then loses the ball, goes pans to the crowd. So you think it's gone into the crowd, and the crowd also kind of celebrating. You so say like, okay, uh, <laughs> Yorkshire have done this. And then there was a clip later going around which showed also that M- Matt Revis, who was at the other end, had also kind of uh, lost track of, the, of himself, but the situation was running, celebrating after the shot had been hit. And Drake's come point. It's like, what are you celebrating for? I've been caught, basically. It was an amazing catch from Tom Hart in the boundary. It was, it was really like, good. Really, yeah. really good catch in the boundary. Uh, and, um, just, and just an incredible game across the board. I mean, Tom Cutter-Cadmore wasn't supposed to be playing in it. I mean, they, they made a slightly odd squad change late on, which I... I not clear why, but Harry Brook was pulled out, uh, Finn Allen was pulled out and Milan and Cody Cadmore came in, which is two decent players to bring in. Uh, and Cadmore, Cody Cadmore hit, what, 70 or 40 odd in a chase of 214. Willie made a very good half century. Tim David was the star for, uh, for Lancashire. He was, I think he was six off 11 balls and then ended up 66 off 32, which is crazy. And, he, and this is what His he does. rise is extraordinary. I mean, mm. I, I saw him play in the uh, 2019 T20 World Cup qualifier for Singapore. And I had to double check to make sure I wasn't misremembering this. He just didn't have that good a tournament. Mm. Fast forward two and a half years, he's one of the most sought after T20 players in the world. And he just seemed to do it everywhere. And he, he just, his game is pretty simple, right? He's big, strong, and just hits it hard. And has he come from no? Is he sort of like a Happy Gilmore figure who's sort of a right? Because he's not that young, right? Is he sort of? He's not. That, so he's twenty six, I think. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, just... in the lot in the last year, it's been a meteoric rise, right? So he was playing Royal London One Day Cup for Surrey, bossed it in the PSL, bossed it in the IPL after initially being overlooked, and now oh, the, the blast isn't the pinnacle of all those things, but he's just smashed it wherever he's gone and it, his, um, his record in t20 cricket is just phenomenal he averages 35 which is good like no qualification and strikes 165 which is certain that's from a hundred more than 100 games uh, um so I, I think the question will be kind of what next from an international point of view i mean he is now going i mean he is basically the informed t20 batter in the world he like will be sought after uh wherever he goes and he is eligible to play for australia it would seem mad to me if they don't try and get him in to the T20 World Cup squad. I think it's a similar situation. I think Ben Jones put that switch. It's like the arch situation for England uh, in 2019, where sure, it might there might be some established players who have notes put out of joint by having been part of the group leading up to tournament or whatever. And sure, Australia won it last time and have built a team that works. But this guy is just so good, you just can't ignore him, I think. And I think that that should 
happen i think and then you know you wonder where the limit is for him i mean it's uh he is it's it's not as if he's a one in every three games coming off type of player he is doing it consistently and then you wonder can that be translated to the 50 over format possibly and you've got a t- a, a, another world cup next year i mean it's going to be a massive and very interesting 12 18 months for tim david mm, absolutely um so lanks birmingham northampton yorkshire are currently in the top four in the north group Surrey, Somerset, Essex and Gloucester in the top four in the south. There was a double tactical retirement in the rain-affected game between Birmingham and Notts. Carlos Brathwaite retired himself with an over to go for Birmingham when he saw that the leg spin of Calvin Harrison was being brought on. Brathwaite has a poor recent record against leg spin. And then Sam Patel was retired out with one ball to go in the run chase with Notts needing three off the last ball. Sam Patel was at the non-striker's end and Harrison, the quicker runner, was brought on what was essentially just running. We talked about this a little bit when this happened in the IPL um, a couple of months ago when Ravi Chandra and Ashwin did something similar. Um, But two in the same game, I think, is unprecedented. Jim, do you have an opinion on tactical retirements? And and if not, can you please confect one? (laughs) (laughs) I'll come up with one on the spot. Um, Well, neither of them worked, right? Neither of the retirements worked. So the guy that came in for Patel only got one run and Brathwaite's replacement didn't didn't face a ball. 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 It didn't not work. Well, <laughs> by my by my standard, they neither worked. I mean, and sorry, what just what was odd on the Harrison thing is they then didn't kind of keep running as long as they possibly could. No. Like they basically did, did that thing where you run and then go like, no, send them back when like you know there could be a fumble that sort of thing, which which is especially odd when you've gone to all that effort. But yeah, yeah, um, I guess so. Jonathan Lee wrote something in the Guardian this week about it, and and I tend to uh, agree with what he said. He sort of sat on the fence a little bit, but he basically said that. There's something elemental about cricket in the struggle of somewhat a batter at the crease. And I guess the whole thing with the retirement is that the fielding side have done well to get on top of the batsman. It feels a bit, or the batter, it feels a bit harsh to them that then they're just allowed to sort of sub someone in, sub someone out. I mean, that that's the struggle of cricket, really. So I don't have a strong opinion either way. I guess they're, they're trying to push the envelope, aren't they? They're trying to do these sort of things. It'll be interesting if when and it will happen when they do do a retirement and it really comes off and it changes a game or wins a game that'll be um, it's not that's not really well actually no the, the, the one in the IPL did actually work because Parag scored eight some, or four yeah, I think yeah and again they only just won I instinctively don't like the Samit Patel one mm. I, did he I didn't I've not seen it but did he um did he sort of fly? it feels a bit brutal that if if the dugout is sort of saying we'll get him off because he's not fast or did he sort of say no i think it came um, it came from the it came from the dugout okay um yeah and also part of one of the many reasons why i enjoy cricket is you have people who are not very good at something just like having to do it yeah like tail end the, back the whole of the night watchman yeah, yeah even yesterday we we're at the over watching surrey versus sussex sinona ryan is going at less than five and over in the t20 blast at the moment and watching him bowl against batters who just haven't faced mystery spin like that is yeah. entertaining to watch yeah um but i do like it as a tactical development but i think there needs to be a punishment for the batting side they can't it, it's effectively a substitution at the moment mm. that happens late in the innings and there isn't any consequence for you making that decision mm really when that's happened so far i'd like to see a consequence so it, it basically sacrificing a ball so it is a yeah. dot ball when you retire someone out I, th- I think i'd like to see that yeah. yeah i think my feeling is though is, is that I, I i find it interesting and i i like thinking when watching a game or could they retire somebody is there a more a profitable matchup in the dugout that could happen and i think i think that that is an interesting thing and having things that are interesting in a sport is good and then it's not like there it's not where at the moment there aren't loads of them 
And I don't think we are headed for a situation where this something that is happening every game. Uh, I think it will remain quite a rare thing. And so if you add something else that discourages things, I think discourage it, you will basically end up just killing it altogether, I think, which, well, I mean, I find it hard to get worked up about it in the way that some people Go on, get worked up. Uh, I'm surprised. You're you're normally the person who gets worked up by the things that no one else in the world has yet (laughs) realised. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I I, I guess it's one of those things where like, I mean, there's definitely no ethical concern or spirit of cricket thing or whatever in this situation. And it just depends, you know, it's a very small tweak around what you want cricket to be and to look like. And I think you can look at T20 cricket in two ways. You can look at it as the, the elemental thing of batter versus bowler and you don't want that to be diluted. And in that instance, you would want to remove retired outs from it or you can look at it as uh this kind of almost like this this question of like how can teams best maximize their resources in terms of balls and uh wickets remaining uh and this is another thing that allows them to do that and i suppose the the, the cost in terms of uh retiring a batter towards the end the cost is actually felt earlier on if that makes sense like it's you you allow yourself to do that by preserving wickets earlier on like if you're seven down going into the last over you're unlikely to retire somewhere so if you're four down or three down that's what gives you the opportunity to do but that comes with a cost earlier on or it should do so i guess that would be um it's and so it's different ways to maximize the runs you can score with what you have available to you and that's what i find most about t20 cricket is teams finding every possible way to do that and that's why i am broadly in favor of them but i guess guess with these things it's like how where so it's at this stage now where will it then become you know take someone like the aforementioned chris gale would this sort of thing extend his career by years and years because he's just allowed to be a a sort of substitute figure who doesn't have to do a lot they have to field obviously and do play the rest of the game or whatever but yeah i can't remember who it was somebody made the point when we talked about this last time that this is actually going to happen pretty rarely There Mm. there are fairly few matching situations where it is worth sacrificing a batter yeah. to have someone on the bench. Who you so picked in the first 11. I think, it, I think it's one of those where you might see it more at the death, but I think mm. other than that, not Particular not really. skills as well. So this is a weird sort of um, reference, but Callum Giles used to play hockey for England in the 90s, I think at the Atlanta Olympics, and he used to be a penalty corner specialist. So they would, he didn't really play the games. Obviously, they just had a rule where you, could, you, you had rolling subs, but he was amazing at penalty corners, sort of either taking them or I think maybe the guy that, hits them and he barely used to play he just used to come on and ping it in the goal and then trot off again I'm just thinking about a point where this could get to where you get these cricketers who are just you know amazing at smacking off spinners down the ground for six but But don't don't do a lot else I think one thing which has basically held through throughout all of T20 cricket is that a batter who is set is almost always preferable to a batter who is not set basically that every like we were talking about tim david and it was last night and the acceleration was incredible but he was six of 11 so you wouldn't have wanted to retire for him even with two or three overs yeah. to go knowing if you know uh and that's also something that i think will uh will make it rarer and then it, that's added i think when you get you know if you want to bring someone in for the last ball the games they tier six there is also absolutely loads of pressure on that player i mean you think of uh i mean using a hockey example using football example like mark noble being subbed on for a penalty or the the yeah it's fine with those players who got subbed on the last minute i mean that seems to rarely end well that kind of thing so as i say i think it will be quite rare and that's why i'm not hugely fussed about discouraging it as well i think i guess you you know you don't you don't want the last over drama is good but you don't want it to be drawn out and having like especially if you get a situation where uh you're you want the you've got loads of wickets now and you want the fast person the non-strikers end at all times so you're 
retiring someone out to get a fast non-striker on and then they manage to run a single but that person is a tail ender so then you're retiring them out to bring in a, yeah. a, a hard hitter so I, as I said I don't think it's actually going to happen yeah. that, that regularly but um, just to flip you probably want to move on but just to flip yes. around on you, you you're a bowler you know if you if you have tied a batsman down for for an over or whatever that you know you've you've put the effort into doing that just from a personal perspective you'd be livid if oh yeah yeah you'd be absolutely fuming if you so i'm just i'm just thinking about it 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 feels a little bit like you're punishing someone for doing something good which sits a little bit uncomfortably yeah i think last time when we talked about tactical retirements in the pod i think i finished the discussion by saying hopefully we'll never have to talk about that again (laughs) more generally how have we liked the tournament so far the game's come so thick and fast crowds have been up and down uh more empty seats than you'd expect at some games uh obviously not taking place during the school holiday i felt that you know the two teams that are unbeaten sorry lancashire they are so good they are so so good both teams i think would do pretty well in the ipl the, these players just need to be on tv uh, is there anywhere in the world that has cricket this good not being televised Somerset as well of fielding sides occasionally where you have 10 players you have 100 contracts why is that in the 100 you every game is broadcast but for the T20 blast when you have uh, teams that are either at similar or in some cases maybe even better quality not being televised obviously the average standard of the blast is lower than that of the 100 but you do have situations where some teams are just better and much better than the norm and I, th- I think it's odd that they're being hidden on YouTube. I, I don't have an obvious solution. I'm not saying only broadcast every Lancashire game and nothing else. I'm not saying that. And I don't know what how you get around it. But I think my starting point is it is bad that, not, that these players are not on TV. Is it bad for cricket that that this isn't being showcased enough because of the well, standards really on show? It's really, it's really good, good cricket. It's really, really good cricket that yeah. should be yeah. broadcast and, and every, as, as many people as possible should be able to see it. I think it is also, it is really good cricket or at least the standard of some of the cricket is really good but also you do see a, a variance between certain teams I mean that that sorry Sussex game yesterday uh, there was good cricket played but it was also a, pretty close to a blowout basically like the game was done kind of at the halfway stage definitely after that Jacks Roy opening stand but as you say there is no perfect solution I think when you see a game like that when you see the strength of, you were saying that Somerset field 11 where 10 of the 11 players were in the 100 Lancashire's team is phenomenal Yorkshire some teams Yorkshire field have been so good uh you can look at that and think, okay, a way to go is a two-tier T20 blast where you televise most of the top tier uh, and there's promotion and relegation. But then that will have knock-on effects for those counties who are in the second tier for whom T20 blast is such a uh, an important thing in there and the revenue that they get. And if you are then a second-tier team, that is going to be a, a harder sell to people, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and there's, and there's the, the, the fact that you don't get the, the exposure from being on TV as well. I also think that the one thing we always say about the Blast is how hard it is to follow um, because, you know, as you say, you've got a so different, many games. different amount of games every night. It clashes with with test cricket. Um, it just there's no, there's no, although there's a block, there's no structure to that block. It's like, you know, there might be one day, there's five games, another day, there's two games. You have no way, there's no... Some like, days you have a TV game, some days you don't. Exactly. There's no appointment to view thing where, you know, if I switch on at this time, there's going to be 220 Blast. There would be ways around that possibly where you integrate it across a season with other things. But then players wouldn't like that because you're switching formats and it also makes it a lot harder to get, say, you could you can get a Pollard and Orion in for the blast because it's, you know, four weeks basically and then you're done. You can't get them in to be if you're playing one or two games a week because they're not going to stick around for that long. Uh, so there is no perfect solution. But I, I think I would be in, I would prefer a two-divisional thing. And I think I would, 
I'm leaning towards thinking that just, it's just got to be easier to follow, which means a better structure that has the tournaments integrated would be preferable, I think. But it's a yeah, really tough one. I like having... I mean, Sinan Narayan has not played... Has he, I'm not sure if he's even played in the Blast before. If he has, it's a very long time ago. Pollard's not played that much Blast cricket. The fact that it's in a short burst and you've also got the 100 straight afterwards, so you've got... You know, they're, they're already earning money for playing the UK so you're asking you can see why it's attractive more. as a player because you exactly. come over once and, exactly. and then Someone you're as here good and you... Tim David's spending you know a very good chunk of the summit I just think that something has gone wrong that you have cricketers this good who are not on TV I know it's on YouTube and Ben you were saying before we started recording that we shouldn't underestimate how good YouTube is at showing stuff to new people they otherwise wouldn't watch you're talking about your, your... yeah yeah so my nephews I mean you know they'll kind of consume anything but actually YouTube is their first port call rather than sort of channel hopping. And then last summer they went on YouTube and there was a one of the women's hundred games being live streamed and they then watched most of that tournament and then went to some of the games live, which is exactly how that should work. But that was because it was being live streamed. It wasn't it was, if it had been on TV and not on YouTube, that wouldn't have happened. I mean, I, you need both, I think. Do they the just thing, think TV is like a weird thing in the corner? Uh, yeah, and I'm not. I'm not sure they even. You know, I mean, they wouldn't have Sky. I don't think. No. Uh, whereas stuff and and youtube you know there's loads of stuff on there like people do use youtube in a way that i think we underappreciate not mm. to get too deep into that but like people do use it as just a social media platform the way we would just log on to twitter see what's on twitter that day people log on to youtube see what new is on youtube scroll through videos that way rather than being sent a youtube link and clicking on it and then but how deeply would you have to scroll to get to the surrey stream for example if you're just a regular well there are jeremy al- coney's on the surrey stream by the way so, yeah well, you know, well everyone well, there, should be tapping it up. there are algorithms where uh it recommends stuff based on previous stuff you've watched or stuff that you like and that sort of thing so i guess if you've watched videos about you and chatfield then it might show you the surrey <laughs> stream all that sort of thing. just chock full my history of you and chatfield <laughs> uh, with superb. his apples in his orchard <laughs> what about the interesting thing is is the ground so they've not been so we were here last night and it was I think I saw something that said it was 13,000 people, which is, what, half full, if if that... Do you think that is to do with the fact that it's a Tuesday or a Wednesday night and people don't necessarily know when the games are where, whereas a Friday night here probably would be full because it's a sort yeah, of I mean, after-work crowd and... few reasons. Tickets are expensive. Um, you know, it's nearly 40 quid for it to come in. I mean, membership here is really cheap. Um, games midweek, m- lot of games... There are more, with a hundred. There is more games at the at the big grounds, um, and more games in a short period of time as well. So I think there are lots of reasons why. Uh, well, that's my problem with not to get again too sort of philosophical, but with short form cricket in general, there's so much of it in, and it goes on that it almost renders itself a little bit meaningless. So I wonder if it is a little bit of. Um, the games don't stand out from each other unless it is a, a Roses match or a, a Surrey Middlesex or there's, there's something riding on it. It might just be that they they start to all bleed into one. And even the Roses game yesterday wasn't a sellout as well. And I, I do think, yeah, that that is... Uh, yeah, I mean, 100 tickets are... Some of them are cheaper than Blast tickets uh, and it's for, for a higher standard of cricket in general. Um, and yeah, I think the, the, the schedule thing, I mean, it's, if you just think from a point of view of a consumer... Uh, if there's a game on like a Saturday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, or something, or there's three three games in a week, you're you're, you're not gonna you're, you are gonna pick and choose. You're not, you, and especially you'll get some keen cricket fans, but quite a lot of casual fans that go to the Surrey games. Well, so the the keen ones will buy memberships. Yes. So yes. to get a sellout, you need people to buy for individual games who don't come to that many. So that's the problem, right? There are people who want to watch all of it. But those aren't the people who are going to make you sell, sell out. Pick out a few leading performers so far. Riley Russo is averaging 92 and striking at 192 for Somerset. 
Um, Durham's Graham Clark is a leading English run scorer. Uh, he's at Durham, brother of Jordan. Uh, Naveen Hack took five for 11 for Leicester the other day. He's having another very good season. David Payne is taking his wickets at 10. Jake Linter is the leading spinner and um, Richard Gleeson at Lancashire is going very well for, for them. Um, Abby Slade asks, your current England men's 11 for the upcoming T20 World Cup brackets based on current form. Um, I'm, I'm going to go first. Uh, Roy, Butler, Stokes at three, Bairstow, Brooke, Livingston, Moeen slash Sam Curran, depending on conditions. Then Rashid. I mean, we don't know who's going to be fit. Then Archer, Wood and Topley. Mills, listening to the question, based on current form, Mills are going at more than 10 and over in the blast. Um, Chris Jordan just misses out for me. I can see someone like Richard Gleeson coming into the frame if there are lots of injuries. Yeah, I think that, that's my lot. Do, yeah. be, do Ben and then I'll try and come up with something controversial. Well, I, I, yeah, I couldn't come up with a, a, a full 11, but partly because I, I struggled with the, the frame of, of the question because you say on current form, obviously. If the Don't tag up the question, Ben. No, no, no. no it's, <laughs> it's, it's a very good and interesting question, but you can just interpret it in Excellent a few ways. Poised. Uh, um, it's like if, if on current form, obviously you can't you can't pick Archer because he's you know he hasn't played a game of cricket in ages. But uh, if he is fit, he obviously plays, uh, and so that that is a tricky one. The uh, I guess I mean Milan obviously has been in England's T Twenty team has rarely let England down. Also, the conditions should really suit him. He's had an okay blast. He's got a couple of fifties. One of them a really quick one and a sort of eight over thrash, which um, shows that he can do that thing as well. And on the flat wickets of Aust- on those wickets, that that's it doesn't just suit his technique and his skill set, but also suits his approach. I think where I think you can really make a lot of ground up towards the end of an innings, which is what he is so good at. So I'd be interested to see if he came back into it. I guess also in terms of picking on who England will pick based on form, whatever. It'd be interesting to see what happens with Stokes. I mean, Roots T Twenty I career basically came to an end when he took on the Test captaincy. Will that happen with Stokes? Can he play? every game in every format clearly not but will that be sort of a last hurrah for him especially having missed the last t20 world cup uh possibly and then the best at four thing is also quite interesting because he didn't and, go that well in the ipl didn't have a good t20 world cup yeah uh and but he's clearly such a talented player that england will want to try and find a way to make the most out of him but that might end up being at number three i guess or even maybe opening does he, again. Put, does he yeah. push into an opening spot and roy misses out or adapts into a dis- different role or you look at do you have Butler because he showed again that slightly different side he was almost playing Milan-esque cricket at times in the IPL where he was like and Radstone really wants him to do that that's clearly the role they were asking him to play whereas he gets to do something slightly different for England with that batting depth that they have but he could become a very very effective number three because he can do all those things which I think is what a number three especially needs to do I mean Bester and Roy be something nice about joining them back up at the top and having Butler at three to either come in and carry on their work or to absorb pressure off an early wicket or to take on the power play if one of them falls early but the conditions there for that sort of thing so I mean I haven't answered the question at all no no Uh, but it's partly because there is I mean (laughs) there is a lot of time between now and then uh and it is, it's going to be very tough to tell. Uh, the, but the Jordan thing, sorry, can we say one thing on him? Yeah, you made a really interesting point before we started recording. Yeah, which is that he obviously, and he, he got some stick at the end of the T20 World Cup for his death bowling, which I felt was fair. But he also had a very good tournament with the ball. Aside from that, he's basically just become a, a different bowler. And I think that he offers so much to the group apart from that. I mean, he's a he is a, a good batter, especially with the depth England have. He's probably a bit high at number seven, but a number eight is a great option to have. 
and they love him around the group. He's a good mentor to that bowling team. He has seen so much. He's so experienced and he's a brilliant fielder uh, that almost if he's at the team as like a, a sort of a, a bowler who fills in the rest of the attack as in he can, uh, you don't want him as your lead death bowler, but if he has to bowl one over, possibly you can get away with that. And also as an opening bowler and a bowler through the middle, he was really good at taking wickets in that sort of seven to 12 over period. That could be a role that he actually fills really well. I mean, England have a few more options there, but I can see how Jordan becomes one of the better ones. Absolutely. Still looked good last night. It was still rapid. Yeah, he's mm. had a good good blast, yeah. Matthew asked, does Jake Lintett make the squad? Probably not, because England have typically not picked that many spinners in their squad, but um, he's had three consecutively good blasts. He had a really good 100. He's done... He's played in the Caribbean Premier League, the Bangladesh Premier League. I mean, has he done the uh, the the big bash? He's no. not. No, he, he's got. Um, he's got. I think his career economy rate is either just below seven or about seven. Moving on, Ben. It's been a massive few days for the ODI World Cup Super League. Do you want to fill us in why what the cricket happening at the moment between Afghanistan, Zimbabwe, Pakistan, and West Indies is so important? Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, it's it's an odd tournament, the Super League. We talked about it before, but it's probably worth a bit of a recap where. Um, each so there's 13 teams in it, the full members plus the Netherlands because of their um, cricket World Cup league performance in the last cycle. Each of them plays eight series, four at home and four away. So each team doesn't play four of the other teams. Uh, so it's a bit odd from that point of view. But basically, the top seven teams plus India, so basically the top eight teams, will qualify automatically for the World Cup, and the next five will go to the Cricket World Cup qualifying event. Um, and the reason why it's interesting is because Bangladesh have basically confirmed qualification they've won 12 of 18 uh so that should be enough and they'll need one from the next six they've got toughish fixtures but they should be fine but more interesting afghanistan are very very close to securing that qualification as well they are on track at the moment playing zimbabwe in the third odi world map 135 so they um uh should be 10 wins from 12 uh which is again very close to um to being qualified they've had an easier fixture list um, although they've done very well to clean up the games and that they haven't, you know, uh, we'll get on to some other teams. They do haven't managed to do that. Um, but so they have a few more series and they'll need one or two more wins from those. And then they will be qualified automatically as well, which means that two of the big teams that you would expect to see at every World Cup will be going into that qualifying event. And as we saw from the last one, which was you know, one of the best cricket tournaments has ever been, basically, uh, there are no guarantees. West Indies very nearly missed out on qualification. Afghanistan very nearly missed out on qualification. You almost had Scotland sort of making a run for it. Ireland came close as well. Um, so the teams that are in danger most are probably West Indies and Sri Lanka. Uh, which is on West Indies, which is, they're currently playing Pakistan and they lost a very close game yesterday. Uh, that series is huge because West Indies have played six of their eight series. They're currently playing their seventh. So realistically, they need probably at least two wins to have a chance in their remaining five games now because they lost Quite that game. Possibly three. So they've got to yeah. win either a series against Pakistan away or New Zealand at home, which is in August, which is absolutely huge. Because uh, New Zealand, so they have not played very many games. They've won six from six. So they've got another, um, what, 18 games left to play and they need to win. Probably like five or six. Five or six. Yeah. So, 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 you know, they, they, they should be okay, but, it's, but they've got work to do just because they haven't done much work so far. Uh, South Africa, another team who could potentially be in trouble. Uh, because they drew a series away to Ireland last year and lost at home to Bangladesh. Um, so, and, and yeah, Sri Lanka have also not had a, a great time, but there's another, what was the other really big series between Sri Lanka and, and Bangladesh? So Bangladesh are almost home dry, but if they were to lose 3-0 to Sri Lanka, it becomes more of a question again. Uh, 
but yeah, so it's it's been fascinating. But the issue that we we've been discussing as is that, I mean, even we have had to work quite hard to figure out whether or not it is fascinating. Uh, and you wouldn't know it from sort of watching the coverage of m- much of these games or from reading about it anywhere. And from from the IC, you have not done a huge amount. I mean, you know, if you, can you imagine in, in any other uh, sport, if you have a fixture between, between two top teams that will be absolutely pivotal in determining which of those goes to the World Cup and that not being like the headline when you're reading about it all the time, you know, like to know. So, that- so this Pakistan series is, so Pakistan winning that game puts them in a pretty good position, but it's a series that if, if West Indies had won that 3-0, Pakistan would be in serious trouble. And this is probably not going to happen because Ireland have got six wins from 18. But had, so Bangladesh and Afghanistan, maybe ninth, tenth team in the world in a lot of people's eyes, um, had another one of those teams that you don't associate with qualifying for every World Cup, but they'd been doing really well. You'd be guaranteed to have a big team not making the World Cup because only two qualify from the qualifier. And there's just no attention, like, other than Ben on this podcast. No, no one's talking <laughs> about it, really. And he knows his stuff. Uh, I mean, there are, there are a few journalists who are very good at covering it, but it is only a few. The broadcast, mm. you know, the IPL... Do you think it needs the story of someone not qualifying in order to, for, I think to, so, be, yeah. to, to I, get the and, cut and, through? And, and the quali- I mean, it could well be that, you know, Sri Lanka and West Indies and South Africa all qualify for the World Cup because they qualify through the qualifier. But, you know, the IPL gets a lot of stick for how much it promotes itself when it's going on. The Premier League also just bangs on about how good the Premier League is. You need broadcasters saying all the time, like reminding viewers all the time, this is an absolutely huge game for West Indies' chances of qualifying to the World Cup. And that's not really happening. It's it's mentioned as an afterthought, but this is the whole point of these bilateral games. It's yeah. the, the, the tournament has given all these series context. Um, Who would be the biggest shock? Would it be... If, if so, so you say Pakistan might not qualify and West Indies might not Pakistan, qualify. Pakistan should be fine. Should but be West fine. Indies are in real danger. Um, West Indi- so, so West Indies, like- Sri Lanka and South Africa are in real danger of being in the qualifier. And they 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 could they would still be favourites to qualify for the World Cup. But it, West Indies were the lack of DRS away from potentially not qualifying last time. And and uh, But South Africa, I think, will be the ones kicking themselves the most. Because when you look through their team, I mean... It's actually really good. <laughs> yeah, and, and especially they've had... It's, it's, I don't really understand how they've got themselves into the position. Because they have players who have started astonishingly to their ODI careers. Like Razi Badnadusen and Yanam and Milan were both averaging like over 70. There's a point when Dukok was like the, the like, statistically like the worst member of that top five. <laughs> and it's like, how have you managed to draw well, to... Well, they, they beat India in an ODI series that wasn't part <laughs> of this <laughs> ODI yeah, Super League yeah, recently. Yeah. So I think they've lost against Sri Lanka away... Didn't beat Ireland away. I think there's one, one, one of the games has rained off. And I think they played one of their games against the Netherlands. And that was cancelled as well. That yeah. was a, that was a no result. Yeah. So, but these things, I guess that's the sort of the beauty of it is that these things can happen. It gives everyone a fair crack. You know, is would it be like Italy not um, qualifying for a World Cup or Euros? I mean, these things happen in 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 bigger sports like football, for example. So yeah, but but then they're also they're cancelling the cancelling the super league this is going to be the, the first and only edition of it so yeah oh it. is it yeah that, that, that's possibly why there's not been as much promotion of it yeah because um, yeah you don't say look how great this tournament is that we're not doing next time yeah. i mean i mean for example like that pakistan west indies game yesterday was brilliant barazam's called 100 shay hope's called 100 yeah, yeah, yeah. who shay hope now has more odi hundreds yeah. than viv richards again it was quite low-key quite low-key it's low-key but it? also i think it was more exciting because of the context like mm. you're interested well hang on pakistan will probably qualify but they're in a bit of trouble here if they don't win this series. Mm. And West Indies, you know, like they, they need to get these two or three wins mm. from five difficult games remaining. And that context helps 
enjoy it, I think. Um, so it's a Do shame you think it's just because broadcasters don't want to saddle themselves to, you know, no one wants to fl- flog a dead duck sort of thing. It's because they don't want to be, although the cricket is interesting, it's like the the nature of it will change. So they don't want to... Possibly, but I think there's also, there's, you have to be asked questions of, I suppose, the ICC and their promotion as well, because this is kind of their tournament. And also, I mean, I, I was shocked to see actually just how much cricket is available on ICC TV. Uh, for for not very much money like it's 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 kind of i mean i think it should i i would would fork out like a monthly thing is it eight dollars a month or something like uh, that? well no it's not it's you pay per series at the moment okay so that's why which is a really good system <laughs> you, what you, you think it's better than well should do that it's on a netflix it's a good option i mean i guess the other option is what we talked about on last week's show of just having a flat out subscription for everything but yeah i mean yeah, what's on it basically? Yeah, yeah, and and like so, so the the current Sri Lanka Australia series, I think you can pay ten dollars and get the the whole tour. So that includes five uh, five US dollars for the whole tour. Okay, and that includes test matches as well. So you get loads of great cricket in that. Um, you can uh, it's, it's it's not much for the the Pakistan West Indies tour that's going on at the moment. Uh, yeah, but again, one one ninety nine US dollars. But you, you know, you had a esteemed cricket journalist whose job it is kind of know about these things, like asking. Uh, like how how can I actually view this game? Is it just this kind of channel tucked away? I think it's Hummasala tucked away on Sky. It's like no, this is available on the global <laughs> governing body's website, and yet somehow <laughs> you have know you know millions it. of followers, tens of millions of followers across all platforms, and yeah. somehow they haven't shouted about enough so that people know about so it. Know so, about something's it. going wrong there, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. In other international cricket this week, Australia are tuning up in a T20I series against Sri Lanka, which you can watch on ICC TV, as we've just found out. There's big news from India this week. Mitali Raj has announced her retirement from the international game. She played for 23 years for India, making her international debut all the way back in 1999. She's the leading run scorer in the history of women's ODI cricket. She is one of just two teenage test match double centurions, the other being Javed, me and dad. Ben, the word legend is overused in sport, but Raj is a genuine legend of not only India cricket, but world cricket. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you talked about the span and it's not just the amount of time she played for. She, she was the bedrock of Indian batting, basically, from when she made her debut to this point now which is a, a ridiculous span of time to be the key player in your team's batting line. I mean, you get players who play for that long, but I mean, there, there are lots of comparisons made between her and Sachin Tendulkar, but I think that they are fair, that that's kind of, that's the touch point for that length of time uh, to be to be doing that for. Um, and she didn't just carry the team as well. It's not as if she was really good and India were okay. She kind of, she, she made them a better team than they've kind of been before and she drove women's cricket forward in the country as well um i think her, kept up with the professionalization of the game as well she was still brilliant yeah exactly i mean i mean and that that odi record is is ridiculous i mean she uh so she's the lead the leading run score in, ODI, in women's odi cricket by a massive distance she's got nearly eight thousand runs no one else even six thousand she's averaging more than 50 in the format uh she might possibly get caught by meg lanning as the leading run score but meg lanning you know she's in her 30s now so that she's only got just over four thousand. so she might not catch her and then that record could just stand forever basically She's what? She's the only captain to lead India in two World Cup finals and got so men's close. Or women, men's and women's, yeah. yeah. Oh, got so close in that 2017 event. And I guess that could be the regret that she never got a global title. But then when India do get one and you think it will be when, especially, uh, you know, with how much they're improving in T20 cricket, then there will be plenty of thanks paid to her. I think her, I'm not, I couldn't figure this out, but her retirement message said she was retiring for international cricket. So I don't know if when the women's IPL launches and it seems like it will launch next year if she will be a part of that but that would be a great way to sign off 
if possible for her because she has been the cricketer who has been most responsible for making that possible um, yeah she also said she wants to stay in the game as well so definitely not the last time we've yeah. seen her there was the famous clip of her reading um uh, poetry the essential roomy yeah. absolutely yeah uh, and and it, that during a world cup during, during a world, world cup match so she was padded she was padded up waiting to bat in a world cup game do you think um it was that it was so it was roomy poetry so the guest house so i've got some lines here so be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond do you think um Anyone in the England sort of test lineup would be doing a bit of roomy poetry before they go into bat, or uh, well, who's most likely to be reading poetry? Josh Butler was reading uh, something, wasn't he? And Bairstow was reading something quite recently. I yeah. take quite a keen interest in what people <laughs> I, I are know reading that when, in dressing rooms. When Rory Burns took up the Surrey captaincy, he read quite a lot of books on leadership, sort of okay. thing, like a. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's like art of war or that sort of thing, mm. and um, leadership for dummies and something like that. That's not a, that's not a comment on Rory Burns. It's just, like uh, it. <laughs> I mean, that's the sort of thing I would do. Just crib with a, you know, yeah. Going back to Raj, but also just a very aesthetically pleasing bad batter to watch. There are very few players in the women's game, men's game as well, who like were, were as as Great fun to watch drive. when she got going. Yeah, yeah, and and she had, you know, she she was a forthright personality. Well, not not that she was going out of her way to to cause trouble. Everything she did, I think she did with a sense of purpose and principle, but because of that steadfastness in her own uh, sense of self. She did t- at times butt heads. I mean, there was that during the 2018 World T20, it was probably the, the most famous incident when she was she was dropped for the semi-final. Uh, and I think the coach pointed to her perceived slow scoring. And I think she maybe said she was unwilling to back down the order. And then Tali Raj, so it was leaked an email that she'd written to the coach and to Diana Adulji at, at the BCI, uh, which was very eloquent and very scathing of, of, of the two of them. This uh, is good goss. I've not heard of no, this. No, it's, 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 so someone it's, leaked. So she sent it saying, "I'm not batting lower than three or whatever." And, no, and no. Someone, so, so this was after the tournament. It. This was sort of like I was. I felt the the, the treatment was bad. That's why that's not quoting. That's just the general tone of the thing. And but it's 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 well worth reading because it gives an insight into sort of Raj's thinking. I think, um, and that, I mean that that was an ugly incident. But I think it is is revealing of a character who like wouldn't be cowed and who you know had to. Uh, be that determined to have the career that she did i think it's a great interview with her in the magazine what two years ago now i think that's well worth to read but yeah um phenomenal career that's coming to an end international career at least i was just trying to think as well so because she, she made she made her debut in 99 and she made a debut in milton Keynes, and i was trying to work <laughs> if it's been longer between her debut in milton Keynes and now than between the founding of milton Keynes as a city and right, her we're, debut we're, we're gonna have to google that now <laughs> do you think that's where she got into the poetry it's not um, i mean <laughs> Again, I'm not she could have got into economics there. It's like, who is Milton and Keynes? Milton Keynes was founded in January 1967, so not quite. So it had been 30, 32 years between the founding of Milton Keynes and Roger's debut and 23 years between Roger's debut and the present day. Not quite. Um, oh, well. Moving on, the Charlotte Edwards Cup finals day is taking place this week. I quite like the structure of this one. So you've got two groups of four and you get a bonus point if you win with a run rate, which is more than 1.25 of the team you beat. Uh, so a good chance to get bonus points. And the team with the most points across the two groups goes straight to the final. And the first game on finals day is basically a semi-final between the next two top scoring points um, teams. And the Vipers have won six out of six. They're going straight into the final. Charlie Dean has done really well for them again when she's been fit enough to play. I spoke to her about her world win 18 months that seen her go from someone without a pro contract to being an England regular who's represented her country in all three formats. Here is that chat with Dean. Charlie, it's great to have you on the show. First off, how's your season gone so far? It's been a little up and down in terms of um, injuries. I missed two games of the Charlotte Edwards Cup because of 
with back spasm. Um, but luckily, um, it was only minor and I've been able to come back into the team. Um, and I, I think I've performed fairly well with the ball. Um, I'm really happy with how I've been bowling and um, the Vipers are such a great team to be involved with that they just make coming back into the squad really easy. Mm, I mean, the, the Vipers have obviously got a, a good thing going. You won the Hayo Flint Trophy last year in the final here. What, what do you put that continued success down to? I think leading from the front, I think our head coach, Charlotte Edwards, is really, she says the right things. Um, she's very inspirational with her words and um, she really looks to bring the positive option out of us and um, sort of create fearless cricketers and I think that's what she's done so well is that um, as vipers we are able to go out there and sort of show our strengths and work well as a team because of the way that she um, goes about her coaching. Mm, going up playing the 100 last year and then playing making an England debut does, does having a coach like Charlotte Edwards really back you does that kind of make taking those steps up slightly easier in a way? Yeah definitely I think when I went over to London Spirit for the 100 she she was on WhatsApp, you know, often checking in, seeing how I was doing and saying well done. And I think having that kind of coach behind you is, makes you feel really confident in that when you go back to that team environment, it's seamless and, um, yeah, inspirational, I guess. Mm. You had an amazing rise over the last 18 months or so. Uh, you weren't one of the 40 contracted pros and now you're a regular in the England setup. What What's that been like for you just on a personal level? Yeah, I think... Uh, it's been a whirlwind really um, I, I couldn't I think playing for England was something that I've always dreamed of um, and I don't think this time last year I could have predicted the year that I've had um, so yeah it's been really special and, and um, hopefully I can sort of capitalise on that success and with the Vipers and in the 100 and, and moving forward as uh, England player Looking late ahead later this year, if, if the big new shiny thing in the women's game last year was 100, this year it's the, the Commonwealth Games. Is that is that something you've thought about at all? Is it like a, a chance to, to get into the public consciousness in a way that maybe English cricket hasn't been able to as much in the last few years? Yeah, I think um, it's a great opportunity for us, um, not only as a team to show what we can do, but I guess on that bigger stage in front of more eyes watching and hopefully inspire some more girls to play cricket and um, yeah I think it's going to be a really exciting opportunity to play a sport that we love and in front of getting that recognition that it deserves I guess. And then on your own bowling have you have you always been an off spinner or is that something that's developed relatively recently? Um, I think when I was younger probably about 10 I was really short and a little skiddy steamer but as, when I was 12 I think I sort of developed um, into, a, I think I started out as a leg spinner actually, um, but realised that was quite hard, um, so often it was. Um, but it's been something that I've not really focused on too much. Um, I was mainly a batter throughout um, sort of my age group cricket. Um, so it's definitely something that's been a more of a recent development uh, in terms of like specialising in it. When was it that you made that switch where you became predominantly a, 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 an offie? I think when I was 14, I had my first one-on-one -on -one, like off-spin coach in Sam Lavery, um, who worked at my school. And that kind of uh, sparked a bit of joy for it. 
and then I got into sort of the England Academy setups and there was that realization that um, potentially there would be some um, off spinners spots opening up in you know the next few years as Laura Marsh and um, Danny Hazel um, were going towards the end of their career so I think then that was something that I saw an opportunity um, to really develop my skills and um, luckily it's, it's paid off I guess. Absolutely. And then also on your style, you really give it a rip and you get you get a lot of turn. Do you, do you have any spin bowling idols that you've looked up to over the years? Um, yeah, I think Graham Swan initially um, was kind of the uh, off spinner that was playing in all the test matches when I was growing up. Um, I think more recently, um, Nathan Lyon is someone that I, I look at his bowling action and I almost want to replicate what he does. Um, and, and you're quite an attacking bowler as well. You take lots of wickets. Do, do you see your role primarily as a wicket taker rather than just a container? Um, I, th- I think initially I, I want to create as many dots as possible. Um, and I think then that's when the wickets do come. I think because I've, as an off spinner, um, a lot of batters can kind of underestimate you, especially right-handers, um, as you know, you pose less threat turning the ball into the pads. Um, and I think I've probably capitalised on people potentially being a bit more attacking towards me as a newer player um, and ended up pick, picking up some wickets. Um, but yeah, I think as a bowler, whenever you, you get a wicket, that's something that you're always looking to do. And I think uh, I, I'd want to be known as that kind of attacking off spinner as opposed to going for a defensive option, yeah. A bit of nonsense to cover from elsewhere. In the Ranji Trophy, Bengal became the first first-class team to have nine people score half-centuries in the same innings. Uh, they only used nine batters as they piled on 773 for seven in their first innings. Uh, and in a Sri Lankan domestic T20 game, there was a tied six-over game that saw both teams score 30 for nine. So there were 18 wickets that fell across the 72 balls that were bowled in the game. Um, that game was between Gaul, CC and Kalutara Town Club. Did you see the other record from today as well? Uh, no, M- don't M- hit me. M- Mumbai set the record for the biggest ever margin of victory in a first-class game. Oh, wow. They beat, uh, yeah, they won by 725 runs in there. I think one of the things I love about these Ranch Trophy games is because they can be decided by first innings lead as the team's, I mean, I'd love is used loosely. I wouldn't like <laughs> this to come into all cricket. Uh, but um, uh, t- teams have often very little incentive to not bat again and pile on those more runs. So Mumbai made 647, bowled out at Tarakund, I think, for 114, and then batted again and put up 261 and then bowled out for 69. So that was a, a reasonably one-sided game of cricket. Imagine coming out to bat and you need 795 <laughs> to win. Jim, you recently produced the Night Watchman podcast. What What is it? What was it? Give, it, give us the it, history. What is it? Uh, it is, so the Night Watchman is Wisden's uh, quarterly. It's a long-form magazine uh, about cricket writing and sort of flights of fancy. And it's sort of um, ruminative and thoughtful. And you, you can pr- it takes on a lot of new writers and established writers. And you can... There's no word count, so you can sort of sort of go to town on on pieces. So it's uh, it's a fantastic publication, and there's a uh, we've just launched a podcast which is similar in a way in that it's different from other maybe this show, for example, or other uh, cricketing podcasts in that it's episodic and each episode takes a theme. 
um, and we explore those themes. Um, they're totally timeless. Apart. Yeah, they're, well, they're hopefully, yeah. So um, you can download them whenever you want. Uh, you can go to them and they'll, st- they'll still be in date. Um, and they took us a long time to do. So you might hear some sort of uh, some references to lockdown one and lockdown two and maybe lockdown three as well. But um, uh, I should say that they are written and hosted by John Hotton, who those of us in the know know is one of the finest cricket scribes out there and uh, has a lovely soothing voice as well. I've listened to a lot of it because I put it together and edited it. So in my flat, me and my my girlfriend have been listening to a lot of John Hot and we feel like, um, I think she feels like she, she has met him, but you know, she... <laughs> um, uh, and uh, we've had some great guests. So the first series is all up now and we've got the likes of Michael Atherton, Gideon Haig, uh, people within cricket, Mike Brearley, you know, biggest up, but then also being a night watchman podcast there are people who um are slightly sort of uh what's the word and Look, they're not they're not established people within the game they're famous yeah, so we've got, yeah rampakash I'm, i realize i'm just yeah. listening to very established cricketers but we've got the likes of tom holland the historian tim key the comedian and poet um who else do we have on there we've got an episode about um uh, oh one thing to note is each episode is around a particular theme i don't know if i said that so we've got is cricket funny which is sort of a comedy episode the mystery of cricket which is about the doozer and stats and jared kimmer and osmond samuel didn't talk about that we've got uh talking about talking about cricket which is an episode about commentary and with we're now talking about that. talking about talking about cricket here yeah. um with dan norcross and izzy westbury so yeah there's some really great guests and um it was a lot of fun to do and we're just this afternoon going to meet about doing a series two too brilliant um here's a snippet of tim key reading a poem about mark ramprakash that's from the the night watchman podcast thank you so this is called ramps this is um a poem where i guess lockdown meets well ramps some new rules came in on the wages side of things Now companies would pay one quarter of your pay, the government would stump up a quarter, and Mark Ramprakash would make up the rest. Ramps phoned up his agent immediately. Why am I paying half of everyone's wages over here? He was basically having a meltdown. This doesn't make any sense. How am I going to afford this even? Damn it! Why is it down to me suddenly? His agent was as calm as always. We're on to it, Mark. We think it's a mistake. Just stay calm, mate. We're going to send some emails. Ramps was whacking the phone against his cricket helmet. We're pretty sure they're going to row back from this, his agent went on. Ramps has sat on his kit bag now, his mouth twisted with the stress of it all, sweat pouring onto his tap shoes. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, so, obviously, <laughs> I mean, I, I think <laughs> where I'd start with that is, is... I don't like the idea of you saying where you'd start with it. If you, are you going <laughs> to tear it apart? <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, <laughs> no, no, I, 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 just, I just wonder what part of your subconscious Mark Ramprakash was occupying during lockdown? This is a, it's, that's such a good question. Finally, someone who's asking a decent question. I think we can. I think we can try and get to the bottom of why Mark Ramprakash is in that poem. Even just reading it out, I kind of, I sort of sensed what was going on there. I mean, uh, for, I mean, first things first. It, it's apparently quite arbitrary, and that could just be anyone. I mean, I suppose that could yeah. be 
you know, Andy Crane or something. It doesn't need to be even from the world of, of cricket, but yeah. it does. It felt to me like Ram, <laughs> Ram Prakash was quite a, <laughs> was quite a good person to get to get to get into that kind of vehicle. Yeah, I mean, he'd, he'd I, be the sort of person singled out by the government. In, in yeah, way. exactly. Yeah. There's something very clean, clean cut about him. Yeah. There's also something quite. Um, he, he offers quite a lot, doesn't he? Because he's. He's not in the centre of everyone's thoughts, but he's somewhere quite interesting because there's a lot of people who like him a lot and then there's a lot of people who like him from a completely different world that he's appeared in. Yes. And so in a poem, it was quite nice to be able to have a... Um, to just throw a cricket bat in and, and sling some tap shoes the in at the end. tap shoes, yeah, yeah, right at the end, which was... <laughs> yeah, yeah. In many ways, <laughs> the killer payoff. To finish the show, we've got a question from Diran. He asked, if you could take five wickets every time you play, but every game you play in, you lose, would you take it? Jim? I mean, my bowling days are very much... Uh, so I probably would do, yeah, because that would be so, <laughs> so, such a sort of strange thing to happen. Uh, I don't know. They all, that, what's the old thing they say about cricket being an in- individual sport, a team sport played by individuals? I don't, know if I, I don't know if this is true, but I saw something on the train this morning of Jimmy Anderson being asked a similar thing. Yeah, so yeah, and it was on his board. TikTok. It's the Lord's TikTok. Oh, okay, account. it was. So it was um, an official thing, right? And he was asked, uh, would you rather uh, be on the honours board or your team wins? I think that was the question. And he said, honours board. And he went honours board. Yeah. And obviously <laughs> he's joking, but there's probably an was element, he? a nugget of truth in it. Uh, I guess you're the bowler, so we should ask you. Funny ask, because I took three wickets in a loss this weekend. But I'm only mentioning that on the pod because my first wicket, was a court behind that on reflection was probably not out. But the batsman came up to me later in the day. It turns out he listens to the pod. So Hampton Hill Cricket Club's Harry, I'm sorry. Um, and he walked. Uh, he didn't walk, no. He was overawed by your celebrity the, the um, that he walked the, um, no, the, the umpire crease. gave it out. I, I appealed oh, okay. and the umpire gave it but out. But you knew it wasn't out. I didn't know it wasn't out. Yeah. Uh, I heard a sound and went up. Yeah. Um, could have been anything. Yeah. Could have been anything. Could have I, been anything. And I don't bother with my glasses on as well, so I can't really see. I do think that with this question, there must be a certain amount of monkeys poor effect. I mean, I mean, firstly, if you went into every game, it's fine to go monkeys, into a game. Monkeys poor. Yes. Well, yeah. But, but uh, so, just explain what a monkeys poor is. Well, I'll, I'll come to it. I, I think <laughs> f- first of all, it, 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 this it, is supposed to be the fun question at the end that this, we just answer quickly and then is, end this the is show. Fun, I think if, if you go, it, it, ru- it ruins the, poor. It ruins the fun of a game if you go into it knowing you're going to lose and knowing you're going to take five wickets. Like everyone loves not knowing if they're amazing. We're getting back onto retirement to... chat, aren't we? We're getting back <laughs> yeah. into sort of... Um... Uh, but but also, I think the monkey's paw thing would be, you know, uh, your wickets would all be sort of like caught in the deep in the last over when they've already racked up 350 or whatever. And then obviously you lose by by loads. Uh, so I, I think you'd have to not tempt fate and go with... Got to just... go for the win. You've got yeah, much exactly. your team to win. Absolutely. To, to bring it back, I mean, because I don't bowl, so I might as well talk about myself batting. Um and I've not done a great deal of that all very well for a few years. But well, Jim's supposed to have played for my club I multiple know. times it and will he's yet happen. to play. August is looking dreamy. <laughs> I'm getting married, but apart from that, August is fine. Apart from that, it's looking great. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's looking really free. Um, but uh, I've, I've scored runs in games where um, we've lost and it doesn't feel quite as nice. So although you take the well, individual... the great cricketer plaudits. guys are probably, if they're listening to this, they'll be like, the best thing in the game is scoring 100 in a losing cause. Well, I don't know. Yeah, cricket's such a weird thing, isn't it? Because you do have the I've got, and I've certainly got out on a 
a road and watched my friends and teammates score loads of runs and that's a pretty bleak feeling actually looking on and knowing that you've bagged a duck and someone else is going to get a ton pretty horrible you know someone like phil will come in and tell you that he got a century of the week and if you've not if you're going through a bad trot then or you're not playing for example then yeah that's a bad feeling in cricket. Like that. <laughs> no. i was thinking about him when you were talking about metali raj's email and thinking maybe maybe that's the sort of thing he might do but he's not here to defend himself is he i think on that note let's end the show cheers ben cheers jim this has been the wisdom cricket weekly podcast thanks for listening we'll be back after the trent bridge test Podcast Network.